Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have the drummer for Nico Moon, John August. You're going to hear John's story of growing up in Nashville and what first got him into music. You're also going to hear tour memories of his time on tour drumming for Mason Ramsey, and now stories of him on tour touring with Nico Moon and playing an electronic kit on a country tour. I had a great time talking with John. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we'll see you at the end. Just keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. Try not to be bitter. You gotta do it either way. Keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. So when life throws a jab, you gotta duck out of the way. How you doing today, John? Great, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So getting right into your story, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Uh, yeah, I grew up in Nashville. Um, my dad's a drummer as well, so they moved to Nashville when I was like six. Um, and I kind of always played, um, you know, drums were always around and stuff like that. Um, didn't really get started, like wanting to do it for real until like after high school. Um, and then I was in a, in a band for like eight years in Nashville, um, kind of rock and roll sort of thing. Um, when that sort of ended in like 2015, me and the bass player in that band were just like, let's go out and get our own stuff, you know, start playing for people and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of a long journey of just playing a bunch of random gigs in Nashville, um, you know, just random country things, pop things, um, uh, all that. And then um, got like a little country gig with this guy named Hudson Moore. Um, met one of my really good friends, Nate Bedingfield um who's an amazing person and just kind of really connected with him and honestly he's kind of the reason why I feel like I am where I am today um he just kind of threw my name out there for everybody and ended up getting the Mason thing through that and um and then the Nico thing I was talking to someone the other day I, I had a crazy week like a couple of years ago where I got like the Mason gig it was one of those things you know it's like you go through the music industry and there are so many times where you feel like should I just like stop doing this like is anything ever going to happen you know sort of thing and um I was telling somebody the other day within a week I got like the Mason gig got the Nico gig and then uh Christian Pascal from he's a drummer for Marin um called me to run playback for them so it was just like this wild like what is happening you know (laughs) so it's like turned down like a playback gig for Marin to do this other stuff and um pretty awesome crazy how it happens like that now growing yeah. up who were some of the first bands that you listened to that like made you feel a connection to music obviously you had your dad playing but who are some of the records or people you were listening to growing up yeah man it's um i mean i grew up listening to my dad was in kind of the 90s country sort of world and stuff like that and uh so i listened to a lot of the stuff that he played um you know guys that he played for but honestly i i you know, I remember when I decided I wanted to like play drums for real. And my dad told me, you need to go upstairs right now, put on Sissy Strut by the meters and learn that. And that was like, you know, still to this day, that's like, I feel like that's my kind of soul is like the meters, like the roots, like Quest Love is one of my favorite drummers. Um, so I always kind of say like Sissy Strut by the meters and then like, 
chicken grease by uh um d'angelo for sure are like two of my favorite things i mean i was big into like led zeppelin and you know stuff like that all the rock stuff but um it was really like the the soul r&b kind of hip-hop vibes you know like from quest and yeah um funk and stuff like that it's kind of where my heart is i think really so have you had the opportunity to meet Questlove, like playing the tonight show or anything like that no that was like kind of unfortunate like um we did get to meet his uh i'm forgetting the guy's name now but it was one of the um one of the roots like guitar players um but uh, they, they were all super nice it was just so quick like gotcha. the whole day was just insane um i think had i stayed like on stage for a little bit after we played i probably could have met him but we were just like getting off stage and stuff like that so i didn't get to meet him but um got to sit on the on his drum kit and stuff like that so that was pretty wild that's so sick now growing yeah. up in nashville did you grow up around any of the other like people that are drumming like jerry rowe or like grady block or anyone like that you know i didn't um it's kind of funny i think it's mainly because i i got started like a little late um and i was in when i when i did kind of get started i was uh I was in this rock band and I was kind of like all about being in, in the rock band and not really like playing for other people and stuff like that. So, um, but you know, it's like, I, I think there are times where like you can look at your career or your life and have regrets, you know, like I wish I would have started playing for other people sooner and stuff like that, but it happened how it happened. And maybe, you know, had I not been in that band for eight years and, and stuff happened how it did, I might not have met the people that I, that I met, you know? Right. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful and you know, it, it really is like, I mean, even, even not, I mean, I know I've met Jerry Rowe and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I always tell people like, I, I don't like know a ton of people in town. I think now, like, cause I, I, I've really only been touring full time for like six years. Yeah. You know, it was like six or seven years. was like when I really started like, getting out there and meeting a lot of people and stuff like that. So, um, but, uh, but I, I know Grady, we, we've talked a couple of times cause I used to, uh, Jordan Merrigan actually his guitar player, Ernest guitar player, like he was tour managing on the Mason tour that I did. And so right. me and Jordan are really tight. Um, so, and it's funny too, cause Ernest was opening up for us on that Mason tour. And so now getting to see him play like faster horses and stuff like that to just like crazy crowds is like really awesome. For sure. Now so, you, said you, yeah. you said you started to get serious about music kind of in high school. Is that when you started kind of playing around town or anything like that? Or were you kind of just honing your craft like in your basement or something? No, dude. Yeah. Like I didn't start playing around town until I was like 20, like 25. Wow. <laughs> So yeah, it was just one of those things where I was just like, I mean, I played the records all the time. Um, I was in a, like a drum line in Nashville for a couple of years and I don't know, I just always played the records. I think it, I think it took me a while to like kind of get out of my shell a little bit and get out in town playing with people, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and some of that might've been like, I mean, growing up with a dad that played, like, you know, he played for Delbert McClinton for like 12 years, like Leroy Parnell and Brian White and wow. some other people. And so especially with Delbert, that was the, the main one that I remember because he was with him for like, you know, 10 years or something like that. And so 
I would go and see them play like, you know, I'd maybe get to see him play like one or two times a year. And every time I would go see him, I was just like, dude, these guys are insane. Like the musicianship of these guys, it's just like next level. And that was always like, I think a little intimidating, you know, as a, as a kid seeing that stuff and seeing what your dad is doing and all that. Um, but, um, but, you know, I, I've, I've grown into myself a bit more over the past, like five, five to seven years. And um, it's, it's fun being able to be in situations on a, especially like with Nico, like on a high level kind of, you know, not high pressure, but just like, you know, you're kind of expected to be on your game and be professional and all that stuff. And, and to go through that stuff and feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually really good at what I do, you know, like, um, and everybody has their particular things that they're good at and, um, you know, style of playing and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's all good. I think yeah. it's really cool that you said that you didn't start until like 25. Cause I feel like a lot of musicians are super hard on themselves. Like they hit like 18, 20 and they're just like, dang, like this, like I'm, if I didn't make it now, like it's not happening, yeah. but like, you gave yourself a little more time to hone your craft and then it happened. I think that's like a really cool story. Yeah. And you know, and I like one of my best friends um, in Nashville, his name is Luke and and he has kind of a, a solo pop project called Luker. And I started with him in Nashville, you know, we were playing clubs and played some little festivals and stuff like that. Um, but it was a very like track heavy show. Like I was organizing, I had like two SPDs that I would like, jump back and you know i'd be playing the drum kit with an spd at one point and in, in the middle of the song i'd like switch to this like keys station where i'd play keys and spd up front and that's sick that was like i think that was a big thing for me because i it was pop for one it was track heavy um you know organize like kind of organizing a lot of tech stuff you know yeah. sort of and i really think that that ultimately kind of prepared me for like the nico thing especially yeah, that's what I was um, going to ask. Like, I feel like did that translate a lot into like what you're doing with Nico now? A lot of like the electronic like backup stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember having a conversation with his producer who um, kind of called me to like, you know, see if I wanted to sort of audition. It was kind of one of those things. It wasn't really an audition. It was like we're rehearsing for some shows. And also, I hope you work out as a drummer, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but I remember him telling me on the phone, like, you know you're not going to be playing real drums right he, he i feel like he told me that like two times and i was like yep got it like <laughs> i i just i've never been i think my thing with drums is i i'm not a purist like um i don't know i don't i mean i love like acoustic drums and stuff like that and i can definitely kind of nerd out on that stuff but i've never really been like precious about like Oh, I'm not going to play an electronic kid. I don't do that, you know? Right. And I think, I think being like a, a big, like hip hop rap kind of dude, like that's kind of what I'm into these days. And it's a lot of fun to be able to play those beats like live, you know, those kind of beats. Um, so, yeah. Now coming out of high school, did you go to college or were you kind of already thinking in your head, like I want to get in the music industry at some point? You know, it's funny when I, when I graduated high school, I had a cousin who was living in Dallas. Um, and I was, I played baseball like all through high school. I was a big baseball dude and kind of, that's kind of what I wanted to do. Like for, even though I was 
playing drums and stuff like that, like at the house playing to records and stuff. Um, and there was like a little junior college in Dallas that I went to and I actually tried out like for the team. And, and I basically told myself like, if, if I don't like get on the team that I'm going to play music and that's basically what happened. Um, and so, yeah, I went to just like did some like gen ed stuff in Dallas for a couple of years, moved back to Nashville in like 2005. Um, and uh, just kind of started playing to a bunch of records and um, you know, again, one of those things I think looking back, I wish I maybe would have, um, oh, and I did, I did go to Tennessee state for like three semesters. I did like a commercial music program there. Oh, cool. Um, and it was cool. I ended up like, it was one of those things where I was kind of paying for it myself and, uh, didn't want to like keep going in debt. And so I had a couple buddies at the school that were like grad students, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, man, if you're going to get out there and play, like, just go do it. Yeah. You know, they were like, if you find yourself like sitting in your house, you know, six months from now, just playing video games all day, then maybe get back in school or something. But like, um, so it was, it was cool. Yeah. It was, it was nice having those people that were like, <clears throat> that had gone through the full education route telling me like, you don't have to do this, you know? Right. Um, but not that it's not important, but, um, see, so yeah, I went to school for a little bit and then dropped out like most people. <laughs> <laughs> Now, so. when you moved back to Nashville, what did those first kind of months look like networking, getting back into the scene? Yeah, again, for me, that wasn't, um, I wasn't really networking at that point. Like I was, I ended up meeting a couple people. Um, I had a buddy from high school that like was starting a band. And so that's when we kind of like started doing this rock and roll band thing. Um, and I think I got kind of like sucked into it. Like I just, I wanted to be in a band band, which now is like, I would never want to do that. Like, I just want to, I want to do my role, but I don't want to be out like taking pictures with everybody and like doing the whole like artist thing. Um, but yeah, man, I, I mean, it's kind of wild. Like I did that for like eight years and didn't, I was doing zero networking. And so I think the fact that like I, when that ended and I started kind of getting out there, um, you know, it feels like it was a long time before I got something, but um, it, it would kind of happen quick, like within a few years, you know, two or three years, and I really started getting some stuff. So, um, I mean, it's, you know, it really is all about relationships. It's like you can be the best player in the world, but if you're, you know, can you curse on here? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're good. Yeah, if, you, if you're like a dick, to, you know, to everybody, like, obviously, that's not going to work out very well. Um, but I think just being a good hang, obviously being good at what you do, but then just like connecting with people, you know, it's like Nate Bedingfield, like we ended up just becoming really good buds and, um, you know, talking about music, but also talking about life and our just experience outside of work, you know, sure. um, and I think the more I've gone through this, the more I've kind of realized, like, that's really what it's all about. You know, obviously you have to be good and on top of your shit, but like, um, yeah, I think it's, it's ultimately about, about that, you know? Yeah. Cause I so. mean, majority of your guys' time is spent on the bus. You guys are only on stage 90 minutes a night, you know, like, so yeah. I feel like being a good hang is probably up there on the priority list when you're hiring someone for your band. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's been, you know, and I think it's, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert and like, you know, sometimes being, being out with people 24 seven, it's like, I thought the whole, the whole conversation would be quiet, but there's a plane. Hopefully it's not too loud. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, uh, I think just like being around people 24 seven, it can, you know, be tough, especially now we're on like a two week run and you have to find time to like, um, you know, take time for yourself and stuff like that. And, um, I don't know. I think, you know, I've gone through over the past couple of years, like a lot of therapy, um, just personally and, um, just getting to a place where you're like really okay with who you are, you know, yourself. And, um, I feel like that's a huge deal, you know, on the road, like getting, getting to points where you're like, you know what I need, I'm going to go take a walk. I'm going to go get some time for myself and kind of recharge a little bit. For sure. Um, and then come back and hang with people, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Now you talked about your rock group. What did those uh, first few years look like on the road for you guys and trying to just push that project? Man, it was, it was tough. I mean, it, it's a, it was a very good learning experience. Um, I think there were, there were times towards the end where I got like, I mean, we, we, we played around town a ton. Like we won like the back in the day that Nashville had this like uh, music city mayhem, mm-hmm. which was like a battle of the bands basically. <clears throat> um, and we ended up winning one year and like played like basically a sold out show at Exodent and stuff like that. So that's we sick. had some like really, really fun stuff that, that we got to do, um, you know, played uh, South by uh, one time. I think it was one of those things where like it got to a point where I felt like I was the only one kind of taking it seriously a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just got to a point where I was like, do you got like, does any, do you really want to do this? Like in a professional kind of way? And um you know, there was a lot of drama at certain points and a lot of stuff we each went through individually. And, um, so it was fun. It was definitely a good experience. Um, and I don't think, you know, if I could go back, maybe I would change it, you know, maybe I would do the band thing. Cause that, that was the thing is at the time it's like, I was doing the band thing and I could have been like networking and doing other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just so focused on that. And, but you know, there's no, there's no point in like having regrets you know, it is what it is. And I'm, I am where I am now. I feel like because of that, not that everything happens for a reason, but, um, I don't know, just is what it is. So when you, when you first started that project, like in your head, did you see like maybe going and playing for a country artist? I mean, like growing up in Nashville, I feel like that's probably what a lot of drummers do. Did you have a thing in your mind where you thought that was like selling out or something? And that's why you wanted to do, uh, like rock drums. And then you kind of, after grinding on the road, you're like, Oh shoot, like this would actually be sick. Or like, what was that transition like of like you being like, okay, I actually just want to back someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for a long time I was like, I will never play country music. <laughs> like didn't, uh, didn't, just wasn't into it, you know? Um, but, and, and I think that was part of what happened for me is I went through some, when I started getting out there playing for other people, um, you know, I had some fun and was meeting people and stuff like that. And it got to a point where I was, you know, I was, I was playing these little in-town gigs and a lot of times, like just for me personally, like 
didn't like the music. Like, you know, it wasn't really fun for me. And, and I've never like, I love playing drums, but I've never, um, I've never been one of those people that like, as long as I'm playing drums, like I'm having fun. Like I want to play music that I like too, you know? Um, and so I, we were talking about this the other day. Like I got to a point where I like calculated up how much I was making on like in town gigs, you know, playing for people that were great people, but it's, I just, you know sometimes the music was like okay sometimes it was really bad you know <laughs> um like just from an objective point of view but like um yeah i got to a point where i was like all right if i'm making like 100 even 200 dollars for an in-town gig which is like pretty good you know usually it's like 150 and maybe you'd get like 50 bucks for rehearsal or something like that and i remember calculating up like the time that it would take for me to like get the material listen to it, learn it. Cause I like to get it in my head. So I'm not like just looking at a chart the whole time. Yeah. Um, but also chart it out, rehearse it, you know, load my gear up and take it to a rehearsal space, pack it back up and go to the gig. I was like, I'm making like $3 an hour. <laughs> like, Hey, but you, you get know, free beer though. You do get free beer a lot of times. Yeah. So that was <laughs> cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's that. I mean, that's not like a blanket statement for everything. There were times where like I actually had fun and the music was pretty good and stuff like that. But I just kind of got to a point where I was like, I just, I'm not, I don't want to do, I don't want to say yes to everything. I would rather focus my um, energy on like learning Ableton more or, you know, just practicing more or just honestly just going out and like hanging with people. Like, Cause it's like at that, at that point there were some people that had seen me play and like, you know, I felt like I was getting confident enough to where I was like, okay, I'm a, I'm a pretty good drummer, you know, and I'm a pretty good hang. Like I like making friends and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just didn't want to, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to like focus my energy more on like networking hanging with people like building relationships but not saying yes to every single gig you know just because it was a gig yeah. um and and that was also around the time that i like um i've got two boys they're five and almost six and four and so that was a little bit of the motivator too where i was like i'm not going to be gone i'm not going to take time away from them to do something that doesn't really at the end of the day pay that great and yeah i don't really like it anyways you know so um yeah, I don't know. So now, when you get a call from Mason Ramsey's management that they're looking for a drummer, were you looking out looking for a gig at this point, or were you was this like kind of something that fell into your lap? Um, so that was through my buddy Nate. Um, so we were on the same country gig with uh, Hudson Moore for a little while, um, playing like Tin Roofs and stuff like that. Um, and he ended up getting like the Mason gig, and so he got pulled off of that. Hudson Moore gig and I was like cool cool I, I I love Nate super happy for him and then like the keyboard player for Hudson like ended up going and playing some stuff with Mason and then our bass player ended up going and I was just like <laughs> I remember being like in the sprinter van and thinking about like Nate and my buddy Michael and Dylan that had like gone to do some of the Mason stuff and I was like ah, I just want to do that so bad like have something more legit <laughs> and um 
and then their uh, drummer couldn't do a couple dates, so I, I subbed a couple. Um, I think we played Boots and Hearts or some Canadian festival, and um, and that was actually uh, funny enough. That was the the run that Nate told me about Nico. Um, you know, he was like, I I think uh, you know I think this might be like a really cool thing if you're into trying out for it or whatever. But um, I remember they like put me on a flight back to Nashville, like on in business class, which is like the first time I'd ever been on like business class. And so I was just like drinking my wine and like listening to Nico stuff. And I was so pumped on it. Like, um, and then like not too long after that, Mason's drummer, um, ended up moving on to another thing. And Nate called me and was like, Hey, do you want to go on a fall tour with Mason? And I was like, hell yes, I do. Absolutely. And so, um, so I'd said yes to that and then ended up getting like the Nico thing. And so I, I did a, a few dates with Nico, but then I had committed to Mason already. So, um, so we did that fall tour and man, the Mason thing was like to this day, one of, one of my favorite tours ever. I mean, it was just like, so chill, all good people, like so much fun, like so many good memories. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Mason, uh, Mason memory, anything funny he might've said to you or anything? Uh, I mean, he said funny shit all the time. He was like, <laughs> he's a performer at heart for sure. Um, but honestly, the funniest thing I think that ever happened was he, he was pretty big into video games. He had this like portable Xbox that he would bring on, on the bus and, and his favorite like game was this farming simulator game, <laughs> which was like, it was basically like, I don't know grand theft auto or something but for like farming <laughs> and <laughs> he would play that all night long like would stay up all night long playing this thing and i remember at one point he some some dude in the game like came and like burned up all of his crops or something like that and mason just started yelling he was so mad and he ended up kind of losing his voice and so we were playing the um i forget what club it was in uh in LA but like Justin Bieber came to it and like Benny Blanco like both of them were there and he was just telling the story on stage of like yeah my voice is kind of uh kind of on the fritz right now and and the reason being I was playing this farming simulator game and he just goes into this I don't know it was, <laughs> it was really funny so but I mean he said funny shit all the time um so funny yeah so he's now, a good kid take me through the first day you meet Nico um, yeah, the first day I met Nico was going to his house to pick up, um, the, uh, like electronic drum stuff that they had. Um, and I remember going to, um, going to his place and I remember just being like pretty intimidated because like I walk, you know, he's already like been pretty successful as a songwriter. And so I go in his house and stuff like that and he's got his gold boots and his jeans, you know, Amiri jeans and like this whole thing. And. And, um, but just like the nicest dude, you know? Um, and so that was honestly the first, like it, it felt very like high pressure. Like, I mean, I rehearsed in my dad's little studio for like a month and a half, just like shredding that stuff and learning how to do the drum stuff that they were doing with the electronic setup and, and all that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. I mean, it, it just ended up kind of working out, you know. I mean, I remember the 
the producer guy, uh, which is now like a really close friend of mine, uh, Josh Murdy, he's actually out in LA too. Um, he told me, he was like, I remember sitting behind you, behind the drums, like, you know, first song that we played. And he was like, all right, I hope this guy's good. And then he called me after, I mean, the day went so great. And he called me afterwards and he was just like, dude, you absolutely crushed that. He was like, I, there were so many times I would like look away and it was like, it sounded exactly like the record, you know, kind of thing. And so, um, which is what they wanted. They wanted it to be like exactly like the record. And for sure. Um, so that was, that was a really cool moment of like, feeling like I kind of stepped up to the plate, you know, it was nerve wracking, but I had done my homework and, um, you know, all that. So it was really cool. What's it like being probably one of the only drummers in Nashville that plays an electronic kit? And, uh, were you there when they, uh, were like the f first act to play the electronic kit at the Opry? I was, yeah. And that was pretty wild. I mean, all of the guys at the Opry were like just so kind and like thought it was so cool. And, um, you know, and for me, I'm like, I don't know. I tend to, I can get a little like self-deprecating, but you know, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, I mean, it's just electronic drums. It just runs through this MIDI thing and goes into Ableton. It's tricking, you know, I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty simple to me, but, right. um, uh, but yeah, they were just, it was so cool. And, um, my dad was there, which is really awesome. Um, so a bit of an emotional moment for me, but, um, yeah, yeah it was, uh, I mean, it's always been like, there are so many times, I tell people so many times, it's like, I mean, now it's not as much because I feel like he's kind of known for that now. But when we were first kind of starting, like, I feel like every show, there was always somebody in the crowd that was like, not even looking at him. They were just staring at me the whole time. Like, <laughs> what's that guy doing? Like, is he even playing? Like, you know, all the, like, I could just tell they were just like, so uh, kind of, uh, just kind of confused as to what was happening, you know? Yeah. Um, but, and then players and stuff like that, like, it's cool, you know, I mean, you get some people like maybe some older generation guys that are, you know, think it's kind of like BS, you know, a little bit, mm -hmm. but then a, a lot of guys that just like think it's so cool. And, you know, it's like, I'm, that's the thing is at the end of the day, I think that's why like, I, I'm not really precious about that stuff. Cause it's like, if it's a good opportunity and it's something that I want to do, like, I don't care what I'm playing really, you know? Yeah. And that's what this gig requires. And, um, which we're probably switching over to a bit of a hybrid situation, um, next year, which is going to be a lot of fun. So, um, but, but it's been, it has been cool. Um, I mean, it, it makes, uh, fly dates pretty difficult sometimes doing these throw and go festivals. Um, yeah. but we've made it work and, um yeah the, the i i would say the general response has been like really good you know pretty supportive awesome. and yeah so do you yeah. have a favorite song in your set that just gets you hype every night oh um honestly he has a song called all that we need that is like kind of a slow banger <laughs> um <laughs> i mean there's so many like that paradise um some of the new stuff that he has coming out is just like <clears throat> next level. Um, so I think, yeah, there's going to be an album coming at some point, probably next year, but okay. um, so yeah, there's, I mean, that's the cool thing about his stuff is like, you know, it's, I feel like there's a lot of it that is 
outside of the drum production is kind of more country than some other country stuff just as far as the instrumentation you know a lot of uh, a lot of banjo ganjo you know like um country background harmonies and stuff like that um but a lot of the melodies are like it's really pop you know and so it's kind of cool like blending those two for sure um yeah, I don't know. Just, I mean, Mason was one of those first first artists that I played for that I was like, you know, there was some of it that was like a little kitsch for me, but like, the, honestly, most of the songs were like, damn, these are bangers, you know, like I had a lot of fun playing it. And same with Nico, like I, I like genuine, you know, it's stuff that I don't, you know, like I never listen to country like on my off time kind of thing. And especially like artists that I play for, but like, Nico's one of those people that like I genuinely like his stuff and so like it's fun it just makes it more fun to play live you know for sure um when you're not not that not that people are faking it but it's like you have to perform whether you like the song or not yeah um and so to be with somebody that you like legit like all the songs is pretty huge deal now I like to close all my interviews asking my guests a piece of advice you might have learned along your way uh becoming a professional musician and also i'd like for you to touch on uh kind of how you found like a family life balance being on the road i know you touched on having two sons uh so mm -hmm. yeah um yeah what was the, what was the first part of your question again uh kind of just anything you've learned uh as a musician kind of or something you would mm. uh, tell your younger self yeah um honestly just to not take things so seriously <laughs> like just loosen up and have fun. That's something I've learned over the past uh, several years, I would say. Um, and just like, you know, there's like, there's so many situations where you get into and like, at least for me and probably a lot of other people where it's like, there's a bit of fear involved. There's always some nerves involved and in like um, finding ways to kind of get through that. And like, once you push through that stuff, it makes it, you know, it's like, yes, I, I did that. Like I was so scared of whatever the situation was and I, and I did it. I pushed through it. And so, um, and as far as like the, the family life and stuff like that, I mean, it can definitely be hard, you know, we're on the trail end, on the kind of tail end of like a two week run. And, um, but you know, when I'm home, I'm home. And so we get to do really cool stuff when, when I'm home. So I think, I think just being like super intentional and present when you're, when you're home, you know, well, guys, there you have it, my conversation with John August. John, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone, go follow him on Instagram at jaugustmusic. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with the chief engineer at Station West, Kyle Manor. I want to give a big thank you to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee of Starting Small Music. Check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram, at Starting Small Music, and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small. <laughs>